Welcome back to This Is Hardcore Podcast. That was Powerhouse, and it's been a minute. If you want to check out Chris Powerhouse, go to episode 56. We had him on the show. Powerhouse and Mambo had to postpone their weekend. And to be honest, it fucking kills me because we really were excited. Powerhouse came out here 20 years ago. Said, um... This weekend was going to be special, but with this fucking storm, they pushed it off. Those guys can't just be taking risks like that and coming home and losing fucking money on flights. So look to the late April, and we're going to be rescheduling those shows. Hold your tickets, all right? Now, I got to tell you, this is the third fucking time I'm doing this one. And I don't, I'm only fucking doing this right now because I said I was going to have a podcast, but I literally lost 42 minutes of audio. Uh, Some was up my laptop. It was running and the whole computer died and I lost the fucking file. And even though I'm hitting the controls, the control S and saving it now, then I'm 20 minutes into this fucking thing. I said, and it's it's a fucking loss again because I've got a fucking strip that I've been using for two years for this thing. And I guess I literally may have worn out the spot I plugged my fucking computer in. And my battery died as I was recording this the second time. So what you're listening to is the third fucking time I'm going to go over some of this shit. And I'm not happy. Not happy about it. But I'm not... I'll be more pissed off knowing that I didn't do a fucking podcast. This week has been a fucking pain in my fucking ass. There's a lot of personal shit in my life where the time that I needed to do this, I didn't have. And then the people who were available weren't available at the time when I could. So I knew oh, I'm going to do an episode. I'll do my own gimmick. It'll be cool. I had a lot of ideas. And I'm now technically an hour and a half into saying some of this shit for the third time. So... Bear with me. I want you guys to have something cool. I like doing this podcast, but on days when you don't have it, days where you're pushing through it and you're worn out, this is the shit that you still got to do, or I still have to do because I still want to do these things. But I'm just letting you know, I'm not fucking feeling this right now. Maybe as I get ripping and rolling, I'll change my fucking mind. So. First time you'll hear this, but the third fucking time I'm saying some of this stupid fucking shit. The way I'm looking at things in hardcore is that there's a huge divide between the way that things came into play, the way it evolved, and where it currently sits. It's not just the death metal shit. It's not all the stuff that is easy to talk about on Twitter. It's a simple shit. And, and to start this off, we we'll use the mail ball as a great fucking reference because it, it easy easy to alliterate for you all. So we do this mail ball show, and it's the exact way I'd like to do things. You know, Chris Powerhouse hits me up, says they want to come through. Next thing you know, mail ball's involved. Next thing you know, I've got Madball Powerhouse, and I'm wheeling. 
boom, 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 let's go. I'm trying to find the venue. I get a venue. It's a church. Okay, cool. I'm thinking in my head, you know, you don't be cool. You don't be cool. You don't be cool. I'm playing. You don't be cool in my head. And then I would next step up and Devil for Dishonor and Raw Brigade and Payback and Risk. And then we were going to add the take because Will Shipler hit up Freddie and was like, yo, we got to jump on this bill. And then Freddie was like, yo, can we make it happen? Of course, we make it happen for Will because he's the fucking man. So because of Will, we get him on the show. I was ready to have to change the flyer and add them. Matt FYA and Next Step Up says there's a problem in their guitar player or bass player or whatever. Won't get this show in time to play, so Next Step Up's out, but Secret Society will play. Fuck. I gotta change the flyer again, and people are gonna be, I don't know why they don't play. I don't know. What happened? Why are they on the bill? Why, why can't they just play? What's wrong? Oh, well, well, well. You motherfuckers got it easy, fucking dickheads. This is my third time saying this shit. So I'll fucking say it the way it needs to be fucking said. Something happens with a fucking bill. You shut your fucking mouth. Writing on the fucking comments. Why aren't they playing? What are you writing a fucking book? They're not on the fucking flyer no more. Shut the fuck up. Go look for them somewhere else. Or don't go to shows no more, you fucking crybaby. I'm so tired of dumb little comments on the Instagram and the FB about when shit changes. Like we're out here just pulling bands like fucking, ah, you know what, next up, you had a good run. I don't want you on the bill, no, I'm swapping you out. Like, you know, like in fucking soccer, we're going to trade out players. The pro- a promoter never wants to change the fucking bands on the bill unless they get to add something cool. Yet time and time again, it's some dickless wonder on IG writing a fucking book asking all these jackass questions about, oh, how come these guys aren't playing? Shut up. Don't go then. Sit at home. Wait for dickhead Sonny to put it on the internet. Shut the fuck up. Anyway, I digress. Told you I'm going to be a little mean this one. I'm making this cool-ass flyer. I'm so excited about the, the drop. The boom, look at the show we have together. But it's not just a show. I was excited about this flyer. I'm tired of all of the things. That involvement shows. And I have every right to. Because March will be 25 years since I booked my first show at the Uni Street Hall. Previous to that, we were doing some shows at the Ferenz. But that was more of a collective efforts. And not singularly under the Joe Hardcore moniker. Since then, we retired the Joe Hardcore Presents. And it's Philly Hardcore shows because that's the way it needs to be. And I'm getting a little tired of a lot of the aspects of how shows get put together. I definitely am getting tired of seeing the same-ass jackass city flyers. And, and so this flyer we put out there, you know, it was nice to get nice to see some compliments, not just on the bill, but on the flyer, you know? It's a cool thing, and it's a missing art. You know, there's so many bizarre in the machine mechanisms that make a fucking show happen at the management level at the booking agent level it's so unnecessary at times you know it it really does make me actually resent all of it the whole fucking kit and caboodle cuz you got to remember 
a lot of these jerk-off bands that are telling you, we just love hardcore, and we're so happy to be part of the scene. And then the behind the scenes, they're being egotistical, and they're mad that their flyer name isn't as big as the other guy on the flyer. And I thought they were co-billing. And it's uh, the co-bill thing is so fucking stupid. But since we're on a tangent here, let's rock. For those who are listening who do not know what the co-bill is, two bands, not one, are equal. They're equal on the show. Then you know that they're equal. Even though one has to play last, it's called the headliner. No, this is not. It's a co-bill. It's kind of like we're both headlining, only I'll let you play after me, which is bullshit. Whoever plays last, that's the one the crowd came to see. That's the one they're going to stay in the room for. Stop buying into the co-billing shit. And why it's involved in the flyering is, whew, can't have no fucking manager see you put a name on a flyer smaller than the Co-Bill Brother Band. Can't happen. It's emails, it's phone calls, it's assistants emailing, hey, we noticed that the flyer, you guys didn't use the approved font, and you guys didn't use the ad mat. It's all this jackassity shit involved just to bring these fucking shows to you so that way when they get postponed because of COVID, fucking Matt Stone, fucking King One, 987 from fucking Who the Fuck Knows writes, oh, what, you're just going to cancel it because someone has COVID? Some stupid comments. Like, you don't know how many fucking stupid emails were sent just on fucking dumb shit so you can make a comment when the whole fucking thing got fucked up, Matt. Jerk off. 187 or the fuck I made up his Instagram name. Stupid. What's also stupid is just seeing the same bullshit art over and over and over and over again. You know, you get these people with these fucking art degrees. <laughs> it's like, cool, you've got this great degree in art. You know, you're going to make flyers and maybe get paid 25 to $50 for some fucking Photoshop shit. And, and you can't turn it into a flyer in the way of printing it out and then photocopying it black and white because there's too many elements and it doesn't work because it's graphically a fucking quote-unquote modern masterpiece, but for Flyer, it looks like ass. You can't fucking do it. You can't reverse art it and turn it black and do white. It's just a fucking pain in the fucking ass. But that's the fucking disconnect. Now we talk about the business disconnect to make a fucking show simple to fucking happen. You're dealing with a fucking simple thing like a flyer that anyone could take, put on a photocopier, and put print on down, and then pass it out to someone else. No. This motherfucker's got 17 fucking layers of colors, all this shit going on. It looks like shit if you copied it. And it just used to not be like this. But the digital age, the digital interface age, the way you get on the phone and say, okay, he's playing last, this is this, and the deal's over in an hour, we're all done, show's ready, boom, now it's a thousand emails. But also, it's too many hands in the pot, too many, you know, kitchens in the kitchen, too many fucking, all that stuff. And then, what really makes it fucked up is it's just a wall of noise. Every Friday, there's a new record. Every Monday, there's teasers. Every band's like, yo, got some big news to bring up to you. Can't wait to drop this one. So much fucking digital space 
wasted with the same garbage and like time honored honored fucking nonsensical like regurgitations of what someone else wrote that I really think as hardcore is in a great place in the live and the present some of this trappings and fucking well doing what everybody else is doing has got to go out the fucking window because of that fucking Bob Wilson motherfucker I started drawing flyers again I got excited the scout one I drew I thought it was kind of cool not the best but cool you know COVID fucking pushed that one away that sucks then you know we do this Madball show cool flyer Great bill. Oh, that one's getting postponed. It's like, damn, dog. <laughs> I can't fucking win. But I like drawing these things. I got a cool one for this drain flyer. We're adding some bands to it. It's going to be sick. Even that, like, I got to go over and discuss who can be the first couple bands on the drain show. It's just different times, man. And so, for me, the digital stuff, I started thinking about this more after I listened to the Carter episode, which was two back Carter said he just thought that the world of tapes was neat and I was like you know what that is a thought you know like I guess if you were 99% digital whether it's social medias whether it's um the streaming services for your music, the analog tape really represents a path to the path, to the pa- the, the the past, so to speak. And it's in this stuff that I think there is some excitement. You know, I think that for me, looking at it, trying to understand the perspective of someone who may not have grown up in hardcore punk and did not grow up or maybe they're growing up and they're younger, you know? Let's put that out there, too. Where there's a lot of fucking flyers that are just ad mats on the internet. They're not hand-drawn fucking masterpiece or piece of shit some kid just put together with some funny shit or some weird shit. You know what I mean? Like, this is this is what the fuck this is. And I think we can get back to some of that, you know? I think... In lieu of the massively over-pixelated, insane designs for these ad mats, which is ad material, supplemented by the machine, the booking machine, the label machine. You know, you go out there and you find a picture of something funny. Like, uh, as we discussed on the new episode of Rule 3, the hate for Joe Rogan. You know, like Joe Rogan? You take a picture of Joe Rogan, you photocopy it, and you put poop on his face, or you put like a cross, crosshairs on his head as like a statement, and you put your band names around that. It's a great flyer. It's a poignant, politically-minded flyer for the current times. In general, I don't even know if kids think about that kind of shit. And I know they're lazy. I'll tell my friend do it. Well, your friend fucking sucks. He's the same thing everybody else does. And the kids that can sort of write graffiti but not really write graffiti good. Yeah, we don't need any more of those flyers. We already have a million bands with graffiti fonts and 
their fans are all ass beaters for the 22 minutes that those bands are playing. But like, there needs to be more in that world. And also, like I said, everybody's got flyers. Everybody's got show announcements. Everybody got record drops. The constant social interaction, digital ingestion of this media limits the value to it. But if you make a flyer that's cool and stands out, something that one little thing can make it cool. You stand outside and you hand it to someone. Now you got something in you. Now you got something going here. Here's the kid who wanted to see the show but doesn't know nobody. And here, maybe you're cool, maybe you're in the band. And you go and you say, hey man, come check my band out. We're playing here. That's like a private, hey, the guy from the band said I should come to the show. You know, now you're building favor and you're building, telling this person to come out on me, come out. I want you to be there. It's make that shit weird, but it, you know, it means a lot. Young kids, especially, it means a lot for them. And I think that it's something that gets lost and something that we should take time to put more efforts in, in a way of, not just reliving the past or staying true to the art, but just adding an element beyond just the what makes it easy. And granted, I'm not telling you, but I am telling you that, yeah, there have definitely been fucking times where I've had to throw a flyer together. Bob seen me do it at the Kinko's. Even that in itself is its own world. I like to get into that. And again, <laughs> some of this unfortunately is not going to come at a solid and succinct because now it's the third time I'm saying it, but just going to Kinko's to make a flyer is not even something cognizant into people's minds. You know, you take something, you take a couple ideas. I mean, yeah, you can do it at home, but like if you don't have access to a computer or a printer, that was the mainstay of why we were doing this stuff in the first place. No access to these things. So we'd go to like the Kinko's, but before that we would just go to like, I mean, I would go to the pharmacy. One of the first flyers I did, I cut up a bunch of weekly world news things, put it in a plastic bag and took it to the thing. And then like markered and drew one shit and glued it up and did it there. But you basically can do anything very easily and make it look cool as fuck and different than everything that's going on out there. Um, for me, it doesn't take much to make a flyer awesome. I mean, you need to have a date and the band's playing and where the show is at is like the only prime, like the prime information and the rest is what you want to do. Uh, G from Broadway Breakdown, Jeff Gavin of the Broadway Breakdown and the Rule of Three and Crescent Tattoos in Philadelphia in the Manny Young section. G and I go over stuff all the time when we were talking about these flyers and he sent me this fucking cool ass Instagram page with all these flyers from you know other countries and whatever and it's like you know I'm like dude all of this shit rules and we're laughing and we're scrolling through it and whatever and little by little you see just either impeccably uh, designed drawn or just epically punk looking art in these things and uh, I was like man this shit Man, this shit fucking rules. And he said something like, I know, dude, it's either like 
a seven-year-old kid drew it or a fucking full-ass maniac drew it. And what we mean is, like, legitimately, this is some crazy asshole art that looks like some dude who's a serial killer, maybe. Somebody who probably had to have a real-life job drawing art, but it's, like, fucking against the system so much they'd never be able to actually hold down a job or do it or not give a fuck or not want to sell their art. So they just do it for the love. And you're like, dude, look at this fucking shit, you know? It's like a fucking punker fucking off the cops or something cool. Like, that that shit is priceless. Or just be something corny or something funny, you know? Put it on the fucking flyer. Make it happen. And and I know doubling down on this manager and, and, and booking agent shit. Yeah, you definitely, if you're a smaller band, I've heard smaller bands make their own flyers. And they put their name bigger and people get mad. But it's also fucking punk rock. It's your fucking flyer. You put your name as big as you want on there. It's not like you're the one running a show. Well, I made the flyer. My band's bigger, so I guess we're playing over Madball. It's like, that's not the fucking case, and people know it. But the internet has programmed communication and the way things flow to not even let you think that you could just make a flyer, you know? Shackled, hesitate, snub nose. Fucking all these bands from this area play a ton of shows. And it's like, just make a flyer with some cool art and just put all your shows on there. You know, hey, cool, look at all the shows we're playing. You can put your band name bigger than everybody else. Fuck it. I mean, how many times bands have done that? Like, hey, check us out here. I also, I'm like a crazy collector of books. There's got this flyer book. Um, mid Midwest hardcore flyers from like 81 to 85. There's definitely flyers where the opening band is higher than Black Flag or higher than the Misfits. <laughs> I think it's fucking great. It's fucking punk rock like... Yeah, fuck them. We're the ones playing. Come see us. You know, <laughs> I like that. I think that's cool. And I think, again, going back to it, like, yeah, there's so much, not white noise, but just filler of just scrolling, 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 scrolling to the point where people mute different things. You don't know who the fuck's really looking at your shit. But you do know when you walk up and hand someone a flyer what it means. And that first interaction could be something that becomes a lifetime friendship. Joe McHenry in episode, I think it was 53 or 54, 63 or 64, my brother Joe McHenry, he goes ahead and um, we talk about shit from our neighborhood, and I met him on the train just handing out flyers, that's what I do, you look like a hardcore kid, a punk rock kid, gonna give you a flyer, meet so many people, so many people I met because of flyers, I passed a flyer out to someone on South Street, Philadelphia, they said that they would sell me a CD. And I'm like, why would you sell me a CD for this comp? Oh, no, blah, blah, blah. You know, it's from Chicago. And I'm like, well, I book shows. And then next thing you know, that's the basis of the Philadelphia-Chicago friendships. They, someone, One of their friends was in town and sold us an eight, Area 847 compilation. Spans went on to all do different shit. So many people from the Chicago hardcore scenes bands were in that compilation. They're all their other bands. And it's made a almost 25-year friendship happen. You know, how the fuck does that even happen? But that's that's what the fucking power of a flyer is. Physical interactions. Physical, oh shit, look at this thing. 
And I think because of the nature of the way politics and people communicate with social media, everyone's afraid of a backlash. Everyone's afraid of commentary that isn't, oh, this is sick. So they don't push. They don't write some cool, edgy shit. You know, like, you could do a fucking flyer of, like, a Bud Dwyer, but it's, like, Trump's head or Biden's head or whatever way you fucking lean and make something really fucking cool happen. But then you got to worry about 70,000 dickheads on Twitter attacking you for it, and it makes it fucking stupid so people don't get edgy. Edgy's out. You know? Edgy's out. And so the flyer art and all that shit has been like, we have to postpone this while everyone's uh, got dead shit up their ass and too afraid to have some fun. And therefore, you know, flyers are just these bullshit, over-processed, insanely over-and-ornate things that can't be photocopied and handed out, you know? I actually went into the book. This is the... Better late than never. Midwest hardcore flyers and ephemera uh, thing. Just like here's a flyer of the fix, and it's like on blue paper, which you used to be able to just put. Blue, you could put any color paper in, in a photocopier, and it's like them with a bunch of shows, and they just put like band pictures and shit. And Punishment did something like this years ago. It's kind of funny, but like as you look through. Black Flag always had the coolest font. And they would make up their own shit sometimes. I think for their own shows in other cities almost. Like that iconic Black Flag logo. You know, this the font. Black Flag and the Fix and the Necros. All those letters are like the same thing. Like whoever made this one was like actually like graphically... Like, together, you know? Like, fuck. It's a little kid's, like, portrait. Like, some kid who, like, is, like, I don't know, like, school picture. And then some grandma and, like, some funny punk rock shit. Like, and then this is the next part. So then the next page is three separate black flag flyers all with their own flyers. You got... Reagan and this one, I don't know what the, the, the photocopy is so fucked up I can't determine who the characters are, but it's like a bunch of guys shirtless and this, and then a uh, Black Flag record cover for Club Doobie in Lansing, Michigan. And, and you know, there, there's a, the whole thing about this. Like, you know, make your own fucking flyer. I don't care if you're who you're fucking playing with, like... They're not going to call you on the phone and say you're not allowed to make your own flyer and, you know, promote it. Unless you're, like, shitting on the band. And actually, that might be punk rock, too. I mean, it ain't going to make you popular. And obviously, popularity is way more important in hardcore than being punk rock these days. Everyone loves being popular. And everyone's little, everyone's connected to their own cell phone, shit-talking, quick text message bullshit so you make enemy in one group chat. Next thing you know, everybody in that group chat hates you, and then they don't reshare your, they don't retweet you, and they don't go out and go, "Oh my God, knew this. This is amazing. I'm so proud. I'm so fucking proud." Everyone's so fucking proud when our song comes out. So you're supposed to do. You're in a fucking band. You drop a fucking song. You know, this fucking shit is fucking so performative at times. It's fucking sickening. 
You know, your boys in a band, support them. You're on social media, yeah, retweet, do the gimmick, you know, support that way. But, like, it is just performative. So you don't want to insult that. But, yeah, you know, make a fucking flyer, you know. You get a chance to play a cool-ass show and you're a band on the up-and-coming, boom. And obviously, you can't ask anybody who's cool to, like, fuck up their algorithm. I've had bands whose band is not that big, but in their head, they're, like, going to be the next big thing. I'm like, hey, we need you to post this. I'm like, ah, yeah, we don't want to fuck up the feed by, like, over-posting and being a punisher, you know? It's like, oh, you don't want to promote your band? So I can't ask you to give out flyers because, bizarrely enough, you don't go to any shows. That's another thing. Like, there's this weird popularity thing where a band member gets to a certain point in his head where they're like, man, we're big enough. I don't got to go to this show, but, man... Back when you needed shows, you were always there, hanging out, being nice to everybody. It's a lot of this stuff, man. And it's social It's social dynamics. It's not like this is the end of hardcore. It's just how people socialize. You know, it's just how people get along or get through or get things done. They look at shows like commerce and business. Oh, I have to go to the show otherwise. You know, there's plenty of shows I fucking miss because I'm sleeping on the couch. My dog. Or I've got work, or I've got jujitsu, or I've got work here I didn't get done. And, yeah, you know what? I miss out on some things, but the social climbing shit always drives me fucking nuts. And then why I bring that up is because it's like, yo, you're too cool to give out a flyer for the fucking show you're going to play? Mmm, that fucking rubs me wrong. So, me and the Jeep has been talking about doing more shit. He's got this iPad thing. He draws all the art for the Rule of Three. I use this thing in Murphy's Law. He's got this casualty show coming up, which I'll tell you about for those listening. Friday, February 18th. The casualties, rotting stitches, stolen wheelchairs, and piss from Trenton at the First Unitarian Church. It's a cool-ass flyer coming up soon. Holy shit, like three weeks away. Philly's got some wild shows, man. I'm fucking psyched. But, um, yeah, you don't have to be like, it don't have to be super digital. You don't have to be super artwork. It literally could be just like, uh, you know, chaotic. But as long as it's something that stands out, you know, as long as it's something that makes someone who would grab it look and be like, holy fuck. Um, I would say that for me, going to South Street and then getting punk rock flyers was like something to the point where I started carrying a school bag that I realized I had to carry a book to keep my fucking flyers from getting all fucked up, you know? And then, shoo, that was it. I mean, there's times I wish I saved everything, but I saved quite a bit. I saved quite a bit of cool shit. I I really do think that uh, the culture of flyers at that time really stood out. I mean, say what you want about Rich to Life. He made some cool-ass flyers. I have a shit ton of those. Um, the Not just the bills, but just like, here's the thing about Rich to Life. That motherfucker would be putting shows in Connecticut and New York in the fly, in the South Street so you knew what other shows were going on. It was like his own little Johnny Appleseed. And um, that's all I got to say about him on this. But like his flyers had a certain touch. He was using the standard big Sharpie, a little bit of graffiti hand. Everything was hand drawn. Or he would photocopy the logos from another flyer, cut it out, put it on his flyer. It's fucking sick. Love that shit. Love the look of it. 
makes things different, makes things stand out. And as that digital analog thing we were talking about, now this kid doesn't have this fucking flyer. He's going to click and save on you know Instagram and the little thing so he can remember or whatever system he has. They can put it on their fucking wall and keep it fucking forever. And one day, maybe their stupid-ass kid that they have will get to be punished with, you know, I used to be a punk rocker. Yeah, sure, Dad, and they, they drop the fucking... They drop the fucking flyers, and they're like, oh, shit. I just love them. I love the art. I love the effort. I love the thought to just do something different. And I think there's so much bullshit and so much the same crap over and over and over and over again now that I like when things change up. I like infecting the change up. So I got some cool hand-drawn shit. I'm, I'm excited for it. I think art also gives a piece of this time to like a specific thing. You know, like this is the time where, oh, in Philly there was these bands and there was these kind of flyers. Like I like that. You know, there were some flyers that were drawn by people who were friends with Robbie that looked cool back then. And there was flyers before that. Like the distinct look always gives the different eras a standout but also collective like belonging to this time frame and i like that from a historical point of view from a you know aesthetics point of view and i think that the thing that as we continue to interface on the internet we have to understand is that there's more to it than likes there's retweets and shares and all that shit got to figure out a way to not just prop yourself up ahead of the game but also in a world of everything being the same, do something different and, and and keep it fucking, keep it legit. You know, I mean, I don't know. Again, it's hard to say that without needing to say at the same time, you do what the fuck you want. <laughs> you know, at the end of the day, I'm not writing a rule book. You know, I have a couple things I think about when I think about giving out flyers, like, if you're giving out a flyer and it's a dude and his girlfriend or whomsoever, partners, whichever way you like to spin that wheel, do not just give it to the masculine person or the man. You know, um, I give out flyers a lot and I always give one to the ladies. And sometimes I'm like, oh, I don't need one. I'll just say, I, we have one. Or, oh, you see their eyes light up when you just say, hey, just treat them like a person. Give them a flyer too. Maybe they're not dating. Maybe they're just hanging out. They should also have a flyer. And then um, don't be using giving out flyers as a way to uh, get some pussy or whatever the fuck you're trying to do. You know, like, don't be salacious. I know you young youngins out there using the small head instead of the big head. But it ain't the way to start a Mac game. It's a way to give out some flyers and, you know, bring a personal connection to the people that you want to see at the shows. That's important. And also... Third and finally, people are going to throw them on the ground. You just got to accept it. It's collateral damage. Don't make me happy. Yeah, I get fucking pissed off. I want to punch somebody in the fucking neck, but I don't do it. I used to be more mad when I'm younger. I'm getting older. I could care less. But when we print out these flyers, you know, it's money we put out. We want to do something cool. But, I mean, if your flyer is really good art, it'll stand out. Maybe they'll keep it anyway. Like, oh, this fucking show sucks, but the art's impeccable. I don't know about impeccable is the word I'd use for the shit I'm doing, but you know what I mean? Like, again, scrolling through this fucking thing, 
there's some sick art here that I, I like. There's some shit on here I would just straight up photocopy and stick on my wall. But instead, as a full ass adult, I just go ahead and buy the book, and now I've got it. And anytime I get bored, I can scroll through this motherfucking thing and just look at some of these cool ass ideas. Like here is like a um, wild ass record uh, uh, place called School Kids. And someone got into like a penthouse or like a hustler magazine. Some chicken like fetish boots and crazy things. And it says they've got everything you want at School Kids. And then it like goes and says that they have pop and jazz and new wave and the new the new singles from negative approach and iron cross new albums by blitz faith void split seven inch or 12 inch rather how cool is that how cool is that it's like the idea in that itself is fucking sick some cool ass effigy flyers and then a couple things this flyer has been like ripped off a million times the face of um the Exorcist, Negative Approach, Meat Man, Minor Threat, at the Freezer Theater. Jesus Christ, that's a fucking banger of a show. I don't know about you, every time that I, I see an old flyer and old bands, and then there's like these all these bands I don't know shit about, and I'm like, fuck, I just don't know. You know, like, uh, you know, here's fucking TSOL, Negative Approach, and The Allied. That was a fucking banger, I bet. Jesus. Here's the crazy thing. So I'm talking about this Necros Meat Men shit. And here's this like this crazy insane artwork that looks like instead of like the cabbage patch kids, they're like weird mongoloid boy slash kids that look like skinheads almost. All in the garbage. Like the art is so fucking crazy in these old flyers. I miss it. Also, the thing on an aside to this is the heavier you get with old flyers, the older you go, the less likely you're not going to at least know one name band because who's going to save a band by some flyer of nobodies? Plus, you know, the older they get, the band are just kind of important because it's like, look, we only had like 10 bands back then. And I'm, I'm still amazed when I see a band name. I'm like, who the fuck is that? You know, like, I never heard of this band. It's like, it's always, it's unearthing arcana from the past. And as a young person, if you're bored and you're like, I need to learn it, instead of going to the internet and going to listen to YouTube, had this kid on the internet talk about some YouTube shit. I try to be like, hey, man, nobody really fucked with that band. You know, these young kids really love fucking with bands that they hear on YouTube. Oh, yo, this shit's probably really good. It's like, no, man, like. People count and people suck. Sometimes they could, a record could sound cool, but maybe these fuckers, no one talks about them now because no one liked them and they got beat the fuck up. I mean, that's what happened back then. People actually got beat the fuck up. So don't be capping these fucking dumb bands just because you heard them on fucking YouTube. But you didn't see some people really representing for them. You might want to go, huh, why is it that no one talks about this band? And it's like, I can't tell you how many times I see these fucking idiot kids with some eBay shirt or something that like, oh, yo, I bet this is some cool, sick old guy shit. And it's like, yo, that band was ass, man. That band wasn't good. People don't like them people. I find it interesting that 
kids who are so obsessed with popularity, social coterie, you know, the fucking the, the, the social games played in the modern present time and the social media can't figure out that, you know, in real life back then still, yeah, there's people in bands, but there might be bands that no one fucked with and somehow they're still on a flyer. In fact, I think a lot of the weird shit I see now is that there are bands who are not attached to hardcore and they're not really a staple. They might they might be have members that are very active or around in hardcore, but as a whole, I wouldn't attach them fully to hardcore. And for whatever reasons, they're constantly making these lists of like these are the up and coming bands. And it's like there is a lot that needs to be said about publicity. Certain people working at certain record labels who know certain publicists and they pay money for good publicity. So if you're reading some shit from like the Revolver Network or like Decibel, there is a solid chance that somebody's telling somebody that we got to write a story and make sure to add them since they're publicists we work with all the time. You know, you paid publicity, you're going to get good publicity because you fucking paid for it. You really want to know who's coming up in hardcore? Go to a fucking show and see who's coming up. Walk around. If you see a new band and everyone's buying their shirt, that means something. This fucking internet world is a lot more fake than you realize. And I don't mean fake in like the, yo, I just got fake friends shit. I mean like, no, it's like projections. And people use it to kind of control a narrative in the way that like you read these articles and there's always some bands that have nothing to do with the fucking scene being, you know, put on the shoulder this band is going to be something turns out they're friends with somebody who's friends with somebody and they wanted to put something in print to try to help cap their people up you know don't buy the bullshit if you don't see it you don't fuck with it then you know it's bullshit and you're allowed to fucking say that another thing i'm not really feeling about hardcore right now can't just say this shit is ass you know uh I, I, we went into it a little bit on the Rule of Three, Episode 9. Please check it out. It's going to drop, not simultaneously, probably like an, a couple hours later or more. But this is what the fuck this is, people. Chris Barnes from Cannibal Corpse, he's going to go out there and say there's death metal that's ass. It's like, yo, Kane from Bomb Before, he's in Shattered Realm right now. And I know people fuck with Undeath and people fuck with all that stuff. But, you know... If it really is going to be death metal, stop playing these little halls and hardcore shows. Go out and sell 60 tickets. Go out and and, and pay to play. Be a real death metal band. You know, there there is a divide. And as someone who came into hardcore after being a metalhead and after being at death metal shows and seeing the difference in the two scenes... I don't really care what people do in one way, but let it be known, a lot of this death metal shit that's popular right now in the young kid hardcore world, not only is it just a kind of like a 10th iteration of this sound, et cetera, et cetera, and it's mostly by kids who didn't grow up in death metal or whatever, or, you know, now they're death metal, who knows what they were a year ago. Um, It's not that they can't play with metal bands. Their bands are very proficient and really talented musicians. It's that it's easier for them to show up and build a name in the hardcore scene because the hardcore scene is like the lowest bearing fruit possible. That it goes back to the whole booking agents, managers things. 
everybody who can make money off something is going to start putting bands in the hardcore scene platform because it's the easiest way to get their bands in front of a crowd. And they don't care if the end result is to have their band not play with hardcore bands anymore. They just want to get a sounding board so they can get these numbers. They've got to attach numbers. Well, how many people did you play for? Well, we were playing for this many, and then we did our own little headliner and this. And the easiest way to establish a band that's going to be going metal or pop, start them in the hardcore scene. But let them be known, they're not just fucking here and that's, oh, they're our bros and, you know, they're, they're, they might be a part of playing shows and they might have been a part of what was going on. But if their goal is to separate themselves and get to the next level of music where they're playing in barriers and that they do not want to play the small shows anymore, then they're never part. They're just tourists and they're just using the scene and fuck them anyway. And that's not a blanket statement against all people doing this. But from my perspective, a lot of people show up and they're the most DIY. I love hardcore. It means everything. And the first hand, they can shuck and shive and get rid of all that. No, 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 no. That's not really what we're about. You know, really trying to express ourselves in a different way now. Or we really want to push our brand in a different direction. No longer they're in a band. Now they're a brand. You got to be wise of this shit. You know? Be wise to who you're capping up. Be wise to who you're supporting. I mean, when I was young, I watched a lot of the bands that we grew up with really turn into all this bozo shit. And I seen a lot of bozo shit. Um, uh, when Corn came out, we were kind of hip to them. They had opened for like a Biohazard or a Cypress Hill and Biohazard. And then we went and seen them at the J.C. Dobbs on South Street. And it was like a record release tour. The opening band was Lords of Brooklyn. Chris from U.S. Expulsion, who's been in some other punk rock stuff, got into an argument with them guys, and it was about 40 punk rockers and skinhead and punk and neighborhood dudes ready to fight Lords of Brooklyn at J.C. Dobbs because they're going, I didn't pay to see rap, and they're yelling and screaming. It was a whole chaos thing. And then the craziest shit is, is that band Sugar Ray played next. Pretty wild. Not pit, just weird thinking that that guy's like famous and looks like a melted crayon now. But they had that Mean Machine song and they were played on Howard Stern a lot at that time. And Corn played and yo, we were going off. Not gonna not gonna bullshit and hide like oh we didn't fuck with them. Like I had a corn shirt, went and seen them. But you know, I wanna say this was like our freshman year of high school and I was still finding out about hardcore and then in my head, I was like, "Oh yeah, these guys must be in this thing." And I had, a, and someone else put me hip. They're like, "Nah, man, they're just—they don't have other shows to play. Like, this is where they're going to get established." The same time, we seen this band called the Deftones a couple times. Seen them at the HMV and um, near—it's not even near anywhere. It was downtown Philly. Got to see them a couple times. Saw them at the Kyber. It was fucking sick. Now I go to eat food there, <laughs> you know. But I was a small little bar, and uh, obviously. Those guys are a little bit deeper with the hardcore in that um, Surge, who played in Quicksand, would join Deftones after the Civ tour. They toured together, but like, no one's saying in 1996 that Korn was a hardcore band. No one was saying that Deftones was a hardcore band. And so, sometimes there's just bands that play these fucking shows, but they're not really a part of our thing. And the way that sometimes I read these fucking 
like almost PR statements from established ass people and bands. And I know why the fuck you're doing it. You're doing it so that way this person is going to scour through all the stuff written on the internet about them. And they're going to see this old guy in this band go, you know what? You're saying nice things about us on the internet. So we're going to remember and help your old guy band out. That's not how it fucking works. Stop it. Don't cap just because you want to cap. It's ridiculous. You know, again, no one needs my opinion on turnstile. No one needs my personal opinion on music. But when I see these little socio developments and I see people talking away of, of trying to rules lawyer their way into having certain bands that they fuck with be like, oh, no, no, no. Like, they're like, listen, there's a ton of people that came through hardcore. I mean, my boy Keanu Reeves, John Wick, that John Wick, he went ahead and fucking dropped uh, his favorite bands list. And if I got to keep it with 100 with you, <laughs> right now, Keanu Reeves' favorite bands of all time is way more hardcore than a lot of these young kids play in hardcore bands now. Fugazi, The Ramones, Exploited, Discharge, Elvis Costello, The Clash, Violent Femmes, Joy Division, Bad Brains, Minor Threat. Like This dude's an OG, first-generation dude by my standards, it sounded like. This man's fucking crazy out there listening to the real shit. Meanwhile, you got kids who play in these hardcore bands that are talking about fuck you, motherfucker, and beat you to fuck up shit. These motherfuckers don't even listen to Minor Threat. It's like, yo, man, miss me with that bullshit. Motherfuckers don't even listen to Biohazard. We're out here listening to some Warp Tour nonsense. Some shit that came out in like 2008. Capping it hard. I got no time for it. I'm tired of it. I don't know if it's me getting old. I don't know if it's me tired. For This is a fucking... This is the third hour of me talking about this shit on this, to do this podcast, but... It's a lot of nonsense on the social media. So that's what goes back to what's real, what's in your hand. What can you see? What can you feel? You feel a fucking band, that's fucking dope. But, same time as, you know, like, some of these bands are only here until they can quote-unquote get to the next level. And you gotta remember that. If you're good with it, be good with it. I've never been good with it. I didn't know when we signed up for this shit there was another level. You know? I don't like that. And then as a promoter last 25 years... All I deal with is fans who want to see their bands in the best possible venues. The best possible venues are usually not the biggest venues. However, revenue that comes from the bigger venues is what makes a band happier. And then the way the the social, political, booking agent management thing, a small player, as they call it, underplay, is seen as a backstep. Bands who play underplays, oh, we're just doing underplays right now and just getting our numbers together. There's so much metrics and that influence these bands and people at higher levels because they can make more money if the band plays the 1100 room instead of the 500 or 350 room. Keep these bands from playing the shows where if they play this fucking crazy show in this crazy city, all of a sudden now you have the old fans that could get the tickets and the young fans hype on this band again. That's not how it works. It's fucking corny. It's tiring. So I see these kids go, I don't know why this band doesn't play this. Goes back to the Instagram comment thing. Man, it sucks that this band isn't playing here. Yeah, it does suck, motherfucker, but I'm not in control. When they give me the ball, give me the rock. I run with it. I get an inch, I take a mile. I try to do my best to do these fucking things. I see these comments, I get so frustrated. So I'm like, come on, man, do you not know this? Do you not think that I already know they should have been playing this? I'm so happy 
I'll tell you this story. I'm so happy I had this judge come play at the fucking Voltage Lounge. February 2015, for those who are like, what show? Or 15 or 16. It's on 856. It's a must-see for judge. This fucking judge gets on stage and it's a sold-out small venue show and people are jumping off the PA and it's fucking nuts. Absolutely fucking nuts. And yeah, judge, they just played the big electric factory. They could have probably pushed and we're going to play the bigger room, but because they didn't play the bigger room, they played the smaller room, they had one of these shows that not only made everyone go, holy fuck, that shit was so, that's one of my favorite shows of all time. Another aspect is for the band who had been playing all these big shows, I'll leave it to Mike to say when he comes on the show, but that was a little bit of fire under his ass after that one. That got him excited again to do Judge because it felt like a fucking hardcore show again. Felt like the shit he was hoping that Judge and its reunions was going to cause. And so I was actually just fucking happy to be a party of any of it. There's a lot of pro-core shit that happens in hardcore. Uh, it's always been there. It's been there for a lot of reasons. And it needs to be said that there was a lot of things that were very wild, wild west. Some bands were smart and got with really smart people very early on. Circle Jerks being one of them. Other bands had so much going for them and a lot of it because it was such a cash enterprise they weren't being smart with their money because it was always there so you know it's insane what some of these bands were doing and I'm not surprised that the pendulum and the balance shifted so greatly into like super professional at the smallest levels of bands but you can maintain being a hardcore band and being a small Business in one way, but still aesthetically and I would say like socially mindful that at the end of the day, you're still a fucking hardcore band and you might be doing really well for two or three years. But remember, there ain't damn, damn too many hardcore bands that have more than two records that people really love. You know, there's not too many bands that you can even say, oh, Everybody universally loves three of this band's records. In fact, there's an argument to be made that most bands have one really one record that people really know them the most for, and then it kind of tapers out little by little after that. And so, as all these little things are happening, and all of these bands essentially the the lifespan is very small. Granted. Uh, like a band like Mind Force could live forever for the reason that those dudes will never do a 30-day tour. And that's the smartest thing you could fucking do. The caveat is you got to write outstanding music. Outstanding means it stands out. So don't write 17 things. It sounds like everything else. You know, um, and then people will like it. And then you'll be able to kind of pick and choose when you can play. You don't have to, you know, miss time away from work. Then you could establish yourself and keep your band running a little longer. But I bring up some of the pro core stuff just to understand, just to explain to people. Listen, it's not as easy as, you know, hey, this guy wants to do this. There's a lot of people involved now at, at in the band's decisions that don't play the fucking music. So things are a little bit different now, you know. And I have had to learn, I've had to learn how to navigate it. 
I learned how to deal with it. I'd like some of it for the organization purposes. You know, I don't like some of it because I think there's a lot of ego building and a lot of, you know, ball washing and a lot of favoritism and way certain tours should be one way. But this is all my preference. I'm not fucking king, lord, god, emperor, nothing. There's a dude who does what I do. I have my opinions. I got a podcast now so I could sit here and fucking re-record this shit three fucking times and tell you motherfuckers my opinion. Yeah, I could do all that shit. And and a lot of it's for the good, a lot of it's for the bad, but the thing is, in our digital world, some of our culture has been watered down, washed away. And what's fucking crazy, in the very same breath of the same kids who are YouTubing these bullshit mosh bands that didn't do shit then, that's why no one cares about them now, there's a treasure trove treasure trove of videos of these old school 1979 to 89 fucking shows on YouTube. There's a plethora of, and and to the same fucking kid who's searching. It's like, um, I made a joke about the Dewey Decimal System. For those of you who do not know, the Dewey Decimal System is the way that libraries are specifically organized and so if you were a kid who went to school in the 1980s you had to learn how to get through the library just by numbers so <laughs> literally like I- i'm not kidding you like it sounds crazy but like if it was Zero to 99, it was general works, which is like encyclopedias and almanacs and shit. I, I, that was mainly me. But then the other ones were like philosophy and religion and language and the different kind of sciences and arts and literature and geography and all that shit. I just remember I was always reading shit between zero, 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 nine, nine, or nine, zero, zero to nine, 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 because those were history and general works. And, you know shit I was researching as a kid and occasionally some literature shit was in the 800s. But it'd be like in one, you're you're in one aisle in the library looking up books. And if you just stepped over 200s, two bookshelves over, here's an entire plethora of shit that you should know, but you don't because you're a chooch and you're looking up like 1997 demos. It's like, there's a, there's a, huge amount of bands in the swath of time between like 86 to 89 that weren't fucking good huge pulses of energy in bands where there's so much shit going on but that don't mean it was good um the mid to late 90s is that way then with the american nightmare explosion 01 to 03 was a terrible crop of demos some amazing shit some amazing bands some tons of bands that kind of got left out of the equation and a ton of shitty bands. Then the mid-2000s got a little weak. And then 2010 to now, I feel like we're just fucking swamped again with just garbage all the time. And just copy of a copy of a copy. Too much metalcore hero worship. And it's like, look, it's simple. They put core on there. They put emo on there. Because they didn't want to call it pop metal. They didn't want to call it pop music. They were selling people who thought that they were not squares. Who wanted to move? You know, like if your if your childhood was going to Hot Topic, 
and your childhood was going to Spencer's and your childhood was going to concerts with your parents and it was like Warped Tour, you really didn't grow up different than anybody else. You think that you were not a square, but you're a square. And there's tons of people that you grew up with that did the exact same things to to you with you. And and they're just normal people. And you think because you have a couple more tattoos or you still go see some hardcore bands that you're not a square, but you're a square. Metalcore shit was just pop, was just metal for pop kids who didn't want to listen to Iron Maiden or Slayer. So they found all this mall metal bullshit. All that pop music that gets called emo, it's pop music. It was geared towards a pop audience, not a in, not an independent audience. Nothing was independent about them bands once that they got popular, and so these pre these suffixes like core get thrown on this shit, and there's no place for it. And so I see this shit, and it's like, oh well, they were like a metal. Co-. No, they weren't. They were a metal band, not even a good metal band. Or oh, they were emo. No, they were a pop band. I'm gonna argue this point. Same way I just said previously about the PR campaigns. All these magazine writers, they didn't even know what the fuck the music was. They didn't know about Rights of Spring and Cap and Jazz. So he just threw emo on there. They called it post-hardcore. Not realizing because they weren't around that the post-hardcore shit started happening at the end of the 80s. They didn't understand that because they weren't around for it. So they just took this term post-hardcore and put it on this metalcore crap. And I told you, metalcore is pop music anyway. And yet here you are in some Twitter beef talking about, well, they're more like a post-hardcore band. Not Gorilla Biscuits. You're not in one of the OG hardcore bands, and you ain't post-hardcore shit. I don't want to fucking hear it. I'm tired of this shit. I'm tired of the fucking worshiping of it. Don't be sitting here trying to ninja kick me during Pain of Truth if you're out here capping all this fucking mid-2000s warp Tour garbage. Get it together. Pick a fucking side. Tired of this shit. Um, like how I have to go with that? Making me eat on my podcast because it's so fucking late. I'm trying to get this podcast done and out the door. But seriously, digital and analog, digital kids, a real life world, um, lots of history, lots of cool shit to do. Next time I do something like this, I'm going to try to do one of them how-tos with Andy. Might bring the G on and we talk about making flyers. This would have been a cool idea to have on like a video and I'm going to show you a bunch of the flyers I was checking out. I'm not fancy enough for that, so I'm sorry. We're not really into the digital thing yet. It might be a thing, but it may not be a thing. I'm not totally sure yet where we start putting some of the old ones up on YouTube. I know the sound quality wasn't great. So, if I do anything on YouTube, I probably would have to clean up some of the sound. And that's like adding more time to my already crazy schedule right now. And I'm going to try to start getting some things together. Now that I got you talking, then we're just going to go over some quick shit. And I'm going to let you guys go. Real quick, Philly Hardcore Shows. The next big show we have is Friday. Oh, no, it's actually Saturday. Yeah, Bob's show, Hangman. One of my favorite bands from Long Island. And currently, it's an awesome band that I always love seeing on shows. Reign of Salvation, Carbonite, Live It Down, Not One Truth. Live It Down's from Ohio, incredible. Carbonite, believe they're from Florida, awesome. Reign of Salvation, Delaware, Not One Truth, South Jersey, Live It Down. I mean, I'm fucking psyched for this. 
my casualty show was talking about casualties, rotten stitches, stolen wheelchairs, uh, pissed. Great show. And then um, I didn't put this on the actual <laughs> the Philly article website. How funny is that? The punishment bad luck show is happening February 20th. Bad luck. Original members involved in it met from too damn hype. I think they got like four guitar players. It's fucking insane. Punishment. Original lineup. We're going to be adding bands. Got some good young bands on this bill. Check out the flyer and that. Obviously, we got Drain, Pain of Truth, Ingrown. Um, got the From Within Showcase, March 26th, later on. Then we have the Gridiron record release, April 9th, out here in Phoenixville. I'm telling you, from late, actually all of March, April's already going to be crazy. Now we're adding the fucking Madball show to it. Then we have May between, dude, Exploited at the Church. We've got the two Earth Crisis shows, Earth Crisis, Snapcase, Strife, Envision, Fixation. That's at Underground Arts. It was scheduled for October. It got pushed to May. There's a couple tickets left for that. I say a couple, maybe 15. The next night, Sunday, Strife headlines. It's Strife, Earth Crisis, Snapcase. Special guest Ignite. Opening year of the knife at Underground Arts. That show sold out. So... Go to these shows. We got so much shit coming up. Make sure you go to phillyhcshows.com. Um, make sure that you support these things. They're called GoFundMe's. Make sure that you check out the one. There is a car accident it happened in California. Jin and Drew. It's insane. But they have GoFundMe's going up. A lot of medical bills. Insane. Hardcore people, unfortunately, do not always have the best health care. As a community, we've come together so many times over. I'd like to know the the number of millions of dollars probably made and available to people in hardcore through GoFundMe's and how crazy life is that that's how people get fixed is through the common good of the communities involved. Um, If you see them. Donate to them. This one just popped up today and haven't had time to get to the bottom of, uh, I was going to share it on shit and then just got caught up in so much crazy shit, which is why this podcast is even running late to get this one together, but support hardcore people in general. Um, thank you for listening to the rambling on deck is probably two or three more episodes of fucking wild people. Okay. If, if, if they don't cancel out, we've got some crazy shit coming up in the next couple weeks. And I'm going to try to keep doing things like this. I hope you enjoy it. Um, because I just ramble on, I'm not going to continue much longer. Just understand that there's a wide berth of difference between the interaction points that we are involved in, including all of us old fucks. Social media has a different filter than the real life. Take that into consideration. You don't have to go ahead and start a band like The Fix or The Next Rose, but if you did, that'd be cool. I'm not going to, I'm not going to complain. However, just... Stop with the everyday everyone else doing shit. Don't follow the pack. And if you're finding ideas, you want to try to do something different, don't try to change hardcore because right now hardcore is good. There's enough change. Go back in the history books. Find something that's cool and remake it your way. That would be cooler than trying to add a kazoo or some fucking keyboards or some whack alternate idea to try to get your band to blow up. Like Do something just like legitimately sick. That sounds fucking awesome and has a good take and people will fucking love it. 
There's indie bands that are fucking blowing up in this thing that fucking stand still. There's more of this pop shit like the Coyo stuff that's starting to pop up. Um, there's tons of shit. There's tons of different things in the fucking wide wings that embrace and surround hardcore where you can find something cool to do before you're going to start adding more bullshit to it. And I would like to add just aesthetics. Let's get some principles. Let's get some fucking flyers going. Let's get some people who obsessed with tapes and vinyl. Put some fucking flyers in their hand, you know? Like, this shit's all part of what we do. I'll go further into it. I'm getting tired. I talked enough. I'm a little angry. Thank you for listening every week. Check out Rule of Three. Check out 185 Mile South. Broad Street Breakdown. Post America Podcast. Um, oh, yo, From Within uh, Carter. Got a From Within Podcast. Josh White and Jamie York. I was on the Jamie York show a couple times. They have one now. It's about MMA shit. It's going to be pretty cool. And uh, I'm on my first jujitsu podcast in a in a month or two. I'm pretty psyched. I'll pop that one when it's ready. But, um, yeah, thank you for listening. Thank you for supporting. And peace. <laughs>